Welcome to the Growing Futures podcast. The story of place is composed of its past, the present day, and future which it evolves into. What role do humans play in that story? How have we changed landscapes over time? Why does it matter? Places we choose to call home are composed of complex ecosystems we are often unaware of. The ecosystems and interconnectedness of our lives contributes to the broader ecosystems of our communities and even our state, our region, our nation, and planet. In this series of the Growing Futures podcast, we set out to talk to amazing people within our community with unique and different perspectives to understand why place matters, and particularly why stewarding these lands and waterways are important. We think you'll find that the health of these systems start within your own backyard. All of these interviews were conducted in places that were meaningful to the people we were talking with. Because of this, in some cases, you will hear the normal sounds you would expect to hear when you are outside in a beautiful, bustling landscape. In this episode, I get to talk to Maria Mack, who is owner-operator of Canterbury Farm, an organic flower farm in South Kingstown, Rhode Island. I had the pleasure of chatting with her on her gorgeous property. Maria is also on the South Kingstown Planning Council. In this interview, we get to chat about the importance of how we choose to take care of our land, but also the importance of giving back to our communities and staying engaged and involved. Let's hear from Maria. Um, so my name is Maria Mack. Um, I own Canterbury Farm, which is a 20-acre farm in the village of Kingston, um, which is part of South Kingstown. Um, I have been here for a little more than 20 years. Um, and I currently um, operate a, an or, a certified organic flower farm. Um, so we grow annuals and perennials and um, I also feel that um, part of what I do as a farmer is sort of part of the larger ecosystem at large. Um, the, you know, the aspect of the way we look at things um, is in terms of having a symbiotic relationship with the land. Um, everything is connected and that's why particularly as um, organic growers understand it's the soil and the water and the air and what you do with it and the microorganisms that exist in the soil and ultimately that impacts the health of the community and the people who live there. Yeah, and I live here so I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about where we are right now? Where we are in terms of, you mean the location or where we are in history or? However you wanna answer it. Um, well, I think that um, one of the things that um, I realize um, and have learned through the years of uh, working um, on a farm and growing things um, is about the way that I have learned patience and perseverance and even to a greater degree um, how long it takes for your hard work to be realized. Um, you, nothing tends to happen overnight. Um, so if you're trying to do things the right way, it does take more time and energy than, there, there are no quick fixes. Um, so certainly from that perspective, um, 
the way that I sort of envision myself in the context of the farm. Um, it's again as part of a, a, a larger system. Are you selling to nurseries? Are you selling direct to customers? Like, where can I buy your flowers? So right now, um, I'm selling direct to customers. I do some wholesaling, but um, primarily um, focused on subscription uh, CSA kind of uh, uh, situation, whereby I can be able to interact with people on a more personal basis. Um, uh, eventually, I will uh, probably venture into more events such as weddings and so on. But as you know, in the past year, those have been um, severely diminished. I think they're picking up again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and you know, flowers bring people joy. So um, a lot of people think about oh, the, you know, event flowers and the a beautiful wedding bouquet, but. I think that beautiful bouquets should be for every day, not just for special occasions. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I wonder how, I know the wedding aspect um, was probably hurt by COVID, but I imagine that people really needed that extra cheer. Did you, did you see, have a lot of people coming for like bouquets and stuff? Um, not as much. Um, it's taken a while to, um, evolve into that um, virtual medium for me. Um, my One of the things that I enjoy so much about being outside, red winged blackbird noise in the background, <laughs> um, is to be outside and be working outside year round. And to me, torture is sitting in front of a computer. So you must have been really thankful that this was your job during all of COVID. Yes, absolutely. Because yeah. you could still, um, you know, be outside yes. in this beautiful landscape. Um, so you, you said you've had this farm for 20 years mm -hmm. now. How have you seen this area, this space, change in the last 20 years or even longer? Um, well, I can tell you that certainly um, not from within the farm itself, but in the general area, um, I have um, been a volunteer on the South Kingstown Planning Board for many years. And the, the thing about land use planning is that it's, it is or it should be big picture thinking, um, connecting the dots. It's not just about houses or about um, roads and transportation or recreation or it's about all of those things and they're all connected and um, unfortunately people often look at things in um, in, a, in a silo and they look at something um, without thinking about the impact that it has on something else and so that looking at that bigger picture systems thinking is really what land use planning should be because whatever you do um, whatever you do on the land impacts the water it impacts your neighbors and trying to think in terms of community and cause and effect is, is a really important way to think 
And often people get so bogged down in the minutia that they don't think big picture. Yeah, so on that note, and maybe even on that note within community planning as well, what would you like to see happen here as we go forward? Um, I would like to see um, a combination of uh, better planning with the view that we are uh, part of an ecosystem and um, a, a greater realization that the more you pave, the more runoff you have, the more pollution you have, um, that then is not necessarily um, managed well by humans. Natural systems have been managing stormwater for many years, thus um, the somewhat slow realization that um, rain gardens and bioswales are a necessity, but also um, getting people to look at um, the ecology via place, the topography, the natural systems that are in place and working with them rather than going into a spot and say, let's put a building up here, let's clear cut it. Um, so again, having that level of knowledge and understanding and care, a lot of it is about values. And when you uh, understand uh, what impact you're having and understand what community values are, then things can turn out um, quite a bit differently. So let's talk about a little bit from the farmer's perspective, but then also from the com community planning perspective, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've encountered? Um, I think from the farming or nursery perspective, um, often community planning doesn't understand what it takes to um, operate a, an agricultural type business. Um, they don't understand that there are, there's equipment associated with it, there's noise, there's dust from time to time, but also that um, when people move into an area because they think it's beautiful, which it is, and there's this farmland and open space, that um, they shouldn't necessarily bring their urban perspectives with them and expect it's funny people move here and they then wonder why there isn't trash pickup and sidewalks everywhere and you know those things are important in very urban areas but we're really a rural suburban part of the state and that's why uh, people flock down here uh, when they can to enjoy it's not just the beaches it's the green space and the open space and and one of the things that is not well understood by not only people that may not live here, but people who um, might be in the urban areas who are policymakers, is that that's what makes this place special, this area, South County as a whole, because of our values and our commitment to keeping things uh, green, to care about the environment. Um, I don't think that um, many, uh, in the government necessarily understand what agriculture is. They have this um, idea that agriculture is um, an older gentleman in a John Deere baseball hat <laughs> driving around and around and around a tractor. And it, it isn't that way so much anymore. There are a lot more younger people who are getting into farming and a lot of people who are interested in farming, whether it's through 
um, living in an area or through some uh, nonprofit organizations. Um, I think one of the high schools, Narragansett, has a Future Farmer um, Association um, component built into their, um, their education. So yeah, it's, there are still stereotypes. Um, there's a lack of understanding. And uh, we as people who um, are part of working on the land understand most definitely and have for quite some time the impacts of climate change. Everyone's talking about climate change, but they think, it, well, you know, it just means I should recycle or I should drive an electric car, but it's a lot more holistic than that. And of course, we are subject to the changes in, in storms, in going from a drought to an, uh, too much rainfall. So we have to try to manage those situations and prepare for them. Yeah, and that must be really difficult. Yes, it, it is, and, and given the, the variances that we already have with, with our climate, um, being in New England and the weather, um, we have to be that much more considerate about when we plant, how we plant, and what we plant. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about maybe how that's changed for you over the years? Have you seen a big change in planting times or in what you can plant? Um, the theory is that um, because we are in a warming climate that we can plant earlier and perhaps have a longer growing season, but you really have to proceed with caution because that may not necessarily be true. Our first and last frost date may not have changed that significantly and we can have periods of drought like we have the last couple years. Um, and while we may have milder winters some of the time that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be consistent so um, yeah. that's definitely keeping everyone on their toes and causing them to be cautious yeah yeah i know just i've only lived here for about six six and a half years now and just in that short period of time the range in temperatures and weather and what I've experienced winter to be like have been so different every year. You know, this past year was like freezing and then the years before that we had like 60 and 70 degree weather in, in December. And I was like, oh, this isn't bad. Like I can, right. I can handle that. Yeah. Um, so I can imagine as someone who is depending on, you know, certain times of the year for their business and managing those types of changes it, it, I just it must right be really managing difficult. expectations and um, harvest time and um, particularly with flowers having something bloom a month earlier than you expect I mean we just had Mother's Day last weekend and um, I had tulips that and a narcissus that bloomed much earlier than I had expected. Um, fortunately, I did have a range planted, but it's things like that that have an impact and make it challenging. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about um, how maybe working here, working as a flower farmer, working with the land has shaped you as a person? Um, I think that I have uh, 
as I said earlier, learned a greater degree of patience and confidence, um, and also a uh, an ability to not give up easily, to be persistent. Um, it's interesting because the recent Mars rover exploration thing was about perseverance and the names that they gave to their um, vehicles and all their tech equipment are pretty much in line with what we have learned over the years to be persistent, to persevere, not give up, and to be innovative and creative. Yeah. Um, so going back, you said you run this as an organic farm. Mm -hmm. What made you choose to be organic? I think an understanding, um, I was a uh, chemistry major in college, so understand what those chemicals do and the impact that they have and the increase um, in chemicals and plastics in our society. Um, and I think of it from a consumer's perspective, what would I want to be eating and growing and enjoying um, many of the flowers that traditionally have come into this country have been um, imported from South America where they don't have an EPA and they are sprayed with pesticides, the fields are sprayed with herbicides, and then they use preservatives so that they can fly them to this country and sell them. And that's kind of the last thing that you want to have, not only in a home with children, but to, to be smelling those flowers yourself. So, you know. Uh, it just makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> um, could you maybe talk about what you think is special about Rhode Island and maybe why you chose to be a flower farmer here as opposed to maybe somewhere else that has a longer growing season. The thing that's special about Rhode Island is that we have so many aspects to the state. For a small state, we have coastal areas, we have large tracts of forested land, and everything in between. Um, we have a lot of variety in soil and terrain and um, land uses. And it's, uh, it's a very special place. Um, it's a fairly densely populated state. So that does put major stresses on the land systems and on everything else. Um, so that is one of the challenges. Um, and you, I'm sure you've heard the, uh, the old, uh, particularly in South County, the attitude that people don't like to drive very far because they're in Rhode Island and there's an expression about going north of the tower, meaning the Hannah, Hannah Robinson Tower on Route 1, because you would have to pack a lunch if you had to go north of the tower. So it's that sort of uh, funny attitude that um, is somewhat endearing um, within the state. I think that that jumps me to my next question, which is, becoming one of my favorite questions to ask because the answers are so different. So, when I say the word abundance, mm -hmm. what does that make you think of? 
Um, to me, abundance is synonymous with health and community because in order to be healthy, in order to have a healthy community, a healthy farm, a healthy existence, you need to be able to have um, things that are functioning well, meaning the ecosystem and how it functions as an ecosystem. So uh, clean water, clean air, healthy soil, healthy plants, healthy people, healthy animals, it all makes sense. So um, I look at it in sort of a, a holistic sense that abundance means um, having a thriving um, sense of place, having a thriving sense of community and how all of those things are connected to one another. Yeah, that, that's, that makes a lot of sense. That's really great. Um, So, our organization um, represents a lot of companies that do work um, in the green industry. And a lot of that has to do with private lands and people's yards and landscapes. Mm -hmm. Could you talk about why you personally think it's important? Um, or, or if you think it's important um, what the residential homeowner does on their property? It's hugely important because one property is connected to the other and largely the biggest challenge is one of education. Educating people as to why they might want to plant certain species, why they want to uh, manage invasives, why they want to have um, their soil healthy, why they need to um, maintain um, their yard, their plantings, their whatever they have for gardens um, because not only does it make that area um, healthier, but it makes the people that live there happier as well. But education is a huge uh, component of what we all need to do when um, working with others. Is there anything here on the farm that feels really special to you that you'd like to talk about that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet? I think probably um, that this is a historic farm. Um, it goes back to uh, um, the early 1800s. Um, the barn is particularly historic. It's a post and beam barn. I use it as my floral studio um, and the gardens adjacent to it I feel are part of the barn. Um, it's where I spend a lot of time um, prior with animals and currently with plants and um, it's just a different kind of, it, in a way it's like stepping back in history when you go into the barn. So to me, that's the special place on the property. Well, I know this is a recording so people can't see it, but I think you've done this land a real justice in preserving that history and that beauty because this is, 
it's just breathtaking. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, uh, one of the things that has always been um, on my mind is that um, that concept of the seventh generation, which um, the Iroquois um, people um, had that um, philosophy that whatever you do to the land um, must be sustainable so that uh, it will still be sustainable seven generations from now. So thinking sort of long term is a really important way to have a philosophy, I think. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And I'm so glad that you're on our town planning. <laughs> that's so needed. Yes, it is. We, we could use more of, more of us. <laughs> I'd like to thank my guest Maria and you. Thank you so much for joining me. To learn more about Maria's farm, you can visit CanterburyFarmRI.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We hope you'll continue to join us on this journey because Growing Futures RI wants to help people launch careers that are both good for them and the land they care for. <laughs>